So before we start, I would just like to say this episode is airing on May 7th, which is the birthday of Darren McGavin, Kolchek, the Night Stalker. He was born on May 7th, 1922. So happy 99th birthday, Darren McGavin. Yeah. And as you know, Kolchek was a huge inspiration to Chris Carter. And so, yeah, he's he's a great guy. I've enjoyed watching him and happy birthday. Happy birthday, Darren McGavin. She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season two. Episode 10. Red Museum. In this episode, Mulder and Scully travel to a small town in Wisconsin, where kids are waking up naked in the woods with writing on their backs. The town, which is Cow Ranch Country, is also home to a vegetarian cult that many suspect are behind these assaults. But there might be something bigger at play. I love, I had not read this summary. I love the idea of like, kids are waking up naked in the woods with writing on their backs. Awesome. That's pretty much it. what's happening. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. It's true. It's That is the plot of this episode. Kids are waking up naked in the woods. And it's probably not because they were having one of those fun like campfire parties. Although maybe. We actually don't know. We don't know. Anyway, it was written by Chris Carter and directed by Wynn Phelps. was filmed in Vancouver, Cloverdale, Delta, and... Ladner, British Columbia. Specifically, the J&L Beef Company in Coverdale became J-A-S-D Beef, with actual employees actually showing up in the episode, working the uh, meat processing. And Uncle Herbert's Fish and Chips in Ladner became Clay's Barbecue. Nice. Yeah. Makes me want to go up to Vancouver or Ladner and check out Uncle Herbert's. Fish and Chips. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Herbert's fish and chips. No, no idea. But that's just it seems like that's how you should say it. So fair enough. Yeah, I would kind of rather visit Clay's barbecue, honestly, than her. I mean, fish and chips are cool. I love fish and chips, but I think I would prefer some barbecue, honestly. Yeah. So me too, but it's more the whole X Files was filmed here type thing, you know. Yeah. Its original air date was Friday, December 9th, 1994 which means it had been three weeks since Firewalker aired on November 18th. Three weeks with no X-Files? Oh, my God. Oh, don't worry. They had some reruns. Oh, okay. <laughs> so on Sunday, November 20th, which is like the same weekend that Firewalker aired, they did a rerun of Fire at 7.30. Hmm. Okay. And then on Friday, November 25th, there was no X-Files because they were doing Fox Movie Night. So from 8 to 10, they showed Alien 3. For Thanksgiving. No. Yeah, for Thanksgiving okay. weekend. And then on Sunday, November 27th, they did a rerun of EBE at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, December 2nd, instead of a new episode, they aired a rerun of Darkness Falls. Hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They jump around a lot. Fire is episode 12. EBE, I think, is 17. And then Darkness Falls is 20. Right. So interesting choice, but okay. Yeah. They don't put them in order, that's for sure. <laughs> no, they don't. They do not. Especially because I think the last rerun before this, the weekend before, the rerun they ran near three was Shapes. Oh, yeah. But I think they did that because Halloween, because that way you have werewolves and vampires. 
for Halloween, right? Oh, yeah, um, probably. Yeah. But then that's episode 19. So, yeah, kind of jumping around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And <laughs> they never put them in order. God forbid no, you get to like, no, no, follow no. the plot or something. Nope. 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 <laughs> well, then if you had to put them in order, people would be like, hey, last episode, didn't this happen? What are you doing? See, they'd be like me. And they don't want that. <laughs> so they definitely don't want me. Anyway, this episode, Red Museum, had a viewership of 16.1 million in the United States, which is the same viewership that we had for Little Green Men, the first episode of the season. And those so far are the two highest viewed episodes of the season, up almost a million from last episode. Although for the next like six episodes from like, because we're into December now, right? And so from like December all the way through February of 95, the episodes are like the viewership is just going like up and down, up and down every episode. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's because holidays or what, but like it, like the next episode will, will be down and the next one will be up and the next one will be down and the next one will be up. I mean, maybe we might find out it's because like the previous episode was bad or the previous episode was good. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Because they are kind of lagging indicators. So. All right. So as we open this episode, we are at the previously mentioned J-A-S-D beef, which is really hard to say. You really got to just hit those (laughs) letters. Anyway, so inside we see some cows being loaded into pens. So actual cows are moving and we see their little cow faces and they're all fluffy and stuff. And then we cut to meat processing with bandsaws and there's, you know, sliding the meat around and cutting it all the pieces you buy at the grocery store. And a bell rings and it's time. It's like shift change, I guess. Cause like a bunch of the workers head out. And so one of them's like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow, Beth. And she's like, okay. see you." And so <laughs> then we go into an apartment building and there's two kids watching TV, an older one, like a teenager. And then like a, like a pre-teeny 11, 12 or, you know, kind of thing. And on the news, they're watching like police raid some apartment. I don't know if they're watching like cops or probably just the news actually. And so Beth comes in the door and she's like, I'm home. And the younger one's all like, hi, mom. And then the teenager's <laughs> on the couch. He's like, hey. And she's like, all I get is hey. And he's like, hi, mom. Right. Because yeah. he's too cool. So and then she's like, OK, I'm going to go take a shower. Like, do you guys want pizza? And I don't really know if they get excited about pizza. But they she's don't. like, yeah. she's like, but if you want, if you want it, you can order it. Just no pepperoni for me. So then she goes in the bathroom and starts to undress. And I don't know if it's a woman thing because I'm not a woman, right? I'm a dude. Do women tend to undress like right in front of mirrors when they're getting undressed? I don't know. But she's like dressing like right in front of the mirror, like just watching herself undress. And then it looks like someone is actually watching her. We see like this eyeball, like looking like it's maybe looking like through a peephole with like a little bit of light on it. Yeah. Anyway, then we cut to the living room and the phone rings. So the teenage kid, he gets up and he answers and he's like, oh, okay. And then he goes to his little brother and he grabs his nose and he calls him a <laughs> butt munch. The butt munch or butt crumb? I forget. It is, uh, it's butt crumb. And I'm like, oh, dude, you, you're going to get it. And turns out he does. Anyway, and he's like, tell mom I'll be back in five minutes. And then four hours later, Beth is on the phone. And turns out, you know, she's like, my son said he'd be back in five minutes and he still isn't back. And she doesn't know who called him to prompt him. And the last person to see him was his little brother. And she's like, he's there and his head's all in her lap. And she's like cradling him because he's sad because his big brother's gone. And then it's the woods the next morning. And the teenager, the kid who will learn his name is Gary. He's running around in his underwear. 
and he's clearly traumatized. He's like, oh, oh, oh. he seems like he's not really sure where he is, and he has scratches on his chest and on his arms and stuff. Maybe just from stumbling around the woods, maybe from something else. We don't know. So then there's some cops driving, and they may be out looking for him. We're not sure, but they're driving down the road. And then he like runs out in front of the car, and they're like, whoa. So they get out, and they're like, Gary? And so one of the deputies runs back to get a blanket from the vehicle, and the first deputy is like, we're here to help you. But then Gary's like, oh, and he like turns away. And as he turns away on his back, the words, he is one, are written on his back in all capital letters. And then we get the theme song. Yeah. X-Files, X-Files, X-Files. Yeah. Yeah. So I seriously thought the words were like carved into his back. Like, like he had been like, you know, I mean, obviously, I think he's been assaulted and brutalized, but like I thought they had actually carved the words into his back. And later you learn they're just markers. I don't know where I got that idea. I do have a trading card that has it and it looks like they're carved on the trading card art. So maybe that's why I was thinking that. Is but that anyway. one of the, the artist rendition? Yeah, kind of it's things? one of the artist okay. ones where it's yeah. like. Some of those artist renditions are a little <laughs> comment on that on social media. Some of those are kind of, but anyway. Yeah, some, yeah. Are, some are better than others. But anyway, yeah. so I don't know. I thought they were carved. And so I was like, oh. Yeah, anyway, they're, they're, they're not. definitely in that in that nineties art style for sure. Yeah. They yeah. look like they could be like something you would carve into a tree is like the font. So Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, because you've written your notes, like, it's less creepy, but still creepy. And I was like, well, there's another option that would be more creepy than a marker, but still less creepy than carving. And that would be if it was like written on his back in blood. Oh yeah. Um, though it turns out like not going that route actually does make sense we'll find out later but at the time it was kind of like oh that's weird why would you just use marker if you're abducting people <laughs> anyway so and i'm sorry but pepperoni is a gift from god and that is why your kid got abducted and was tagged because it was divine retribution for heresy and sacrilege you should not <laughs> order pizza without pepperoni yeah so. although it is fine like i get it like if i worked in a place like that too i think you maybe just I wouldn't would, want to eat meat. I don't know. I probably would just <laughs> want it more. I'd be like, ah, I need some more oh, meat. Yeah, I'd probably like, do I get, not. Do I get like an employee discount? No, I mean, you I, might. But okay, yeah, 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 I'd be like, mm. yeah, I mean, maybe. Dad, it depends. When I was a kid, my dad, he he had a business. He we worked on farm equipment because we grew up in like the central California Valley. And so we worked on farm equipment and I would go with him. And sometimes he would get paid in, in half of cows and we'd send them to the butcher. And so we'd have a freezer full of. Yeah. Food. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then, as I kind of mentioned, Gary is kind of a douchey older brother. I mean, he's a teen and his it's his little brother. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Also, sorry to my little brother. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm an older brother and I wasn't I wasn't that kind of older brother. You know? No, it happens. Yeah. I think Gary's just supposed to be like that, you know, teen who's like, ugh, ugh, yeah. my little brother is annoying. I'm going to go meet somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to call in the pizza order that mom told me to call in because God forbid I pick up the phone and do something for five minutes. Anyway. But he does pick up the phone and then he disappears. <laughs> so should have ordered the pizza, dude. You'd have been on the phone. They would have got a busy signal. You'd be eating pizza with no pepperoni, but you wouldn't have like writing on your back. So yeah, they could get half and half. That's true. <laughs> me and my brother, I was a picky kid. I used to really only like cheese pizza when I was very young. Oh, um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat pepperoni. I love pepperoni now, but like when I was a little kid, cheese pizza. I'm gonna, only. I'm gonna probably offend some people, but man, the more animals you can put on that pizza, the better. As far as I can tell, you know, I used to disagree, and I think because I just don't eat pizza as often. Like for a while, I was eating pizza a lot because live near Pagliacci, and Pagliacci's so good. <laughs> now I'm out of the delivery range, so I can't. But like, I really do love a good meat pizza. It's just one of those things where like. 
I, it just kind of depends on your mood. There's a place um, where I grew up called Grand Central and they have like a spinach garlic pizza that again, I hated when I was a kid because I didn't like spinach or garlic, but now like it's so good. I wish a place near me had that because it's freaking delicious. Anyway, now I want pizza. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for this. Yeah, I, I definitely tend towards the carnivore slider of the omnivore. I am an omnivore, but it definitely is yeah, sliding that way. Enough about that. Anyway, I guess I should probably see my section and stop thinking about pizza. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I wonder if I it's could. It's like, oh, I wonder if there's, I wonder if I can order pizza. The problem is if I drive to Pagliacci with traffic, by the time I get the pizza <laughs> home, it's going to be cold. Anyway, um, <laughs> so then we're at FBI headquarters and Mulder has his slide projector out, which, you know, surprise. We haven't seen it in a while, actually. We haven't actually seen the slide projector in a while. So oh. anyway, he's he's got it going. And he has an image of Gary Kane, the teenager, and it's like his back with the words on it. And he tells Scully that Gary's a 16-year-old high school junior. He's a C student, first string varsity football, and a member of the local 4-H club. And Scully asks what the phrase he is one means. And Mulder doesn't know. Gary apparently received a phone call and left his home. And then he was discovered in his underwear 12 hours later with that on his back. And he's been unable to give a coherent statement about what happened to him. And Scully asks if there's evidence of sexual assault. And Mulder says no, but the other victims have been so hysterical, they've had to be sedated. So whatever's happening to them, not good. And Scully's like, other victims? And apparently there was another one in eastern Wisconsin, a few towns away. And they all have the same phrase written on their backs, which is he is one. Or if they're female, then it's she is one, but the same sort of thing. And Scully asks Mulder what his interest in this case is, because it's not really typical Mulder stuff. And he tells her the sheriff of Delta Glen, Wisconsin, thinks he knows what's happening, that these kids have been possessed. Oh, that's a reach, kind of? Yeah, does seem a little possessed. odd. Possessed, hmm, okay. I could see abducted, right? Um, possessed, though. Hmm. Yeah, I would more link this to alien abduction with kids disappearing and then like reappearing in the woods half naked aliens with markers but, yeah, yeah. Okay. it's true the marker thing does throw it all off yeah i did think it was weird that Mulder mentioned there was one in eastern wisconsin and one a few towns away because like delta glenn is fictional but like if you look on like the x-file maps of like where all those cases take place kind of thing it's like as far east as you can get so i'm like where else in eastern wisconsin are you going <laughs> i don't know but Maybe maybe Mulder didn't know that. Maybe Mulder's not good at geography. I don't know. Or, you know, not familiar with the Wisconsin area. Yeah. Although they have been there. It's true. Yeah. But Wisconsin's a big state, so. Because Wisconsin is where Fallen Angel took place, correct? Yes. yes Fallen Angel? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So then we're at Delta Glen, Wisconsin, and a sheriff car is driving down a rural road near some farm buildings and it's Sheriff Mazeroski and Mulder and Scully are in his car with him. And he tells them that there's something he thinks they should see. There's a group that call themselves the church of the red museum. Their leader, whose name is Odin. He came from California like three years ago and he bought a ranch and they're vegetarian. And he says they drove the ranch into the ground and turned 500 head of beef cattle into pets. And Odin calls it a monument to barbarism. So Mulder quips that he must be popular with the local ranchers. And <laughs> Mazeroski says, like, it takes balls to settle in the middle of cow country with a church like that. So then they drive down a private road and there's a sign that reads the Church of the Red Museum. And there's a big farmhouse and a huge farm. 
It doesn't really look run down. I think he just meant he meant they, they drove the cattle business into the ground. Yeah, the I think that's what it was. Because yeah, it's like it seems to be well taken care of. So, yeah. and there are some women. They're wearing like big white tunics, so like all white clothing, white pants, like you know blouses, tunic. They they kind of vary. Like some people have like on white turtlenecks. Some people have like different. But you're basically wearing all white. But then you have like a red turban on the top of your head. So they're walking across the road, and they get out of the car and they watch the women walk into the barn. Mm-hmm. And so Mazeroski says that they stick out like a sore thumb, huh? And then Scully's like, well, given what little we know about them, this doesn't really seem to be like they would be involved in this kidnapping, right? They don't seem like that kind of like culty people. <laughs> and he's like, well, you can see for yourselves. So then they go to the barn and they open the door and Scully and Mulder walk in first and the sheriff goes in behind him. And then inside there's a group that's all sitting on folding chairs that are all facing forward. Like there's going to be like a presentation. And there's a large projector on the screen, and then all of them are dressed in the same white outfits, right? So different kind of clothes, but have like the red turbans. So all white and then red turbans. And then there's one church member who is sitting in a chair up on like the stage, and she's facing the groups. She's facing forward, everyone else facing the stage. And then someone else walks up on stage, and Mazeroski says, that's Odin. And then Odin sits down. There's also a computer there. So he sits down at a computer off to the side, and he starts typing. And the woman reads what he types. So it comes up on the screen in big letters behind the woman. And then he's typing on the computer. So she's got some good eyesight because she's sitting at least a good six feet away. And she's reading what he's typing on the computer screen. Right. And so he's typing. She's repeating the words. And he writes, the guides speak through me today as messengers of the word that we may be free from death. We, the enlightened, must bring the skills for the survival of mankind. So that kind of stuff, right? So they're talking. And as they're going through it, Mulder's like, oh, they're walk-ins. And Scully's like, what is that? And Mulder says, they're believers in soul transfer. So enlightened spirits who have taken possession of other people's bodies. And so then Odin stops and he notices them at the back of the room, probably because Mulder was talking. And so then he types, today we bear witness to three who do not believe. We encourage them to open their hearts and their minds to our teachings that they who slaughter the flesh slaughter their own souls. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, as I'm reading that, I am actually sitting here like air typing, which is kind of strange because I'm like, I'm totally getting into character. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been been cast to play Odin. It would have been great. It would have been. Yeah. And of course he's not speaking, right? He doesn't say anything. And he actually has his eyes closed a lot while he's typing. So he's he's a touch typer. So that's kind of cool. It would have been super tropey. But I'm I'm slightly disappointed that Odin isn't like some old dude with like one missing eye and he's all scraggly looking like Odin, right? But yeah. <laughs> it does make sense. But it would have been yeah. If, if they had done that, I'd have been like, oh my god, like I would have complained either way. So I'm not really complaining. I was just like, oh, okay, that's cool. So <laughs> and then like I said, the woman on stage has some really good eyesight because she is just yeah like, just looking over and reading the computer screen that he's typing on because all the words are behind. Or her. maybe you like maybe it's pretty similar usually when he types. So maybe she's got most of it kind of yeah. It also. <laughs> It also could be like, you know, prearranged and memorized for all we know, like how this. Yeah, we don't know anything works. about how they work. No, we're going to really. take it at face value that she just has good eyesight. And yeah. so. So then we're back at the Kane's apartment building and Mulder, Scully and Mazeroski are interviewing Gary, who says he only remembers parts of his abduction. He says he was in the woods and he felt a spirit enter him. So Mulder kneels down next to Gary and he asks what he means by spirit. And Gary says it might have been an animal spirit. He can't really explain it. 
just something came over him. And he doesn't remember who called him on the phone or what happened immediately after he left home. So literally, he just remembers like being in the woods and this weird experience. And while they talk, Scully walks down the hall and she's kind of looking at the framed photos of the family that are on the wall. And Stevie, the younger brother, comes out of his room. And so Scully introduces herself and she asks if he remembers who his brother went to see the other night. And we do see that someone is watching this exchange and Scully seems to kind of get a feeling that maybe somewhat something's wrong and she kind of looks around and then Mulder tells Scully he'll meet her outside. So he's, he's ready to go. And then as Mulder and Mazeroski leave the apartment, Mulder asks if Gary's ever been in any trouble and Mazeroski says, no, he's the same age as Mazeroski's son. And he's done some like beer drinking, you know, your basic 16 year old teen shenanigans, but he's never been in like legal trouble or anything. And Mulder asks if there's any noticeable difference in him after the abduction. And Mazeroski says that Gary lived for football. He was a good athlete, but now he won't even suit up. So I'm wondering how long it's been since his abduction. Yeah, because that's a big, yeah, unless like he had practice the next day or something. It was like, yeah. which, would, which would be like, I just got like possibly assaulted in the woods. Yeah, I'm not going to go to football practice today. Thank you very much. But yeah. yeah. So I feel like it had to have been at least a week or something. Well, so I, I mean, Mulder, Mulder would have had to get the information we assume they would need to get some approval to go, although that's not always the case. So, yes, yeah, so it's, 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 <laughs> it's probably been a, been a week or two. So I guess yeah. maybe he just hasn't been playing football. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so Scully comes down the stairs and Mulder's asking, like, how the Red Museum people are treated by the local citizens. And Mazeroski says people don't care for them. And so Mulder's like, well, are they ever singled out? Like shop owners may be refusing to sell them things, things like that. And Mazeroski says there's some tension, but mostly people just try to avoid them. And then Mulder's like, all right, cool. So uh, can you recommend a good motel? Because we want to stay for a bit and run a background check and kind of look into some things. And so we just need a good place to eat and a place to sleep. And Mazeroski's like, well, you've come to the right place for that. Yep. And that right place is Clay's Barbecue. Yes, it and is. And so we cut to Clay's Barbecue. And the first thing we see is this bib that is covered in sauce. And we <laughs> find out that it is a bib attached to one Dana Scully. And she is eating some ribs. Well, we see her putting down some ribs. So, and she says, with ribs like these, the Church of the Red Museum have their work cut out for them. And she has a little bit of barbecue sauce on her lip and some older reaches over and cleans it. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> and then she gives him a meaningful look and is like, oh. Then she's like, so you started to explain this walk-in thing and I'm not really sure I understand what's going on. So can like, you explain it better to me, please? And so Mulder says, it's like some new age religion that's based on an old idea. That if you become full of despair, you open yourself up to possession by enlightened spirits. So some people have contended that Abe Lincoln was one and that Charles Colson, who was Nixon's advisor, was also one, but not Nixon. Like they didn't want him. So so she asked him if he believes the sheriff's theory about possession. And Mulder's like, well, in the absence of any other evidence, it's a novel theory, at least. So and then she's like, you know, I really feel weird saying this. But when we were in the Kane's apartment, like I really got the creeps in there. Something was not right. I felt not right in there. So, right. Yeah. Probably because someone was looking at her through a people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would do so it. So apparently the Scully has sauce on her face. Mulder wipes it off. Was improvised during a take because Jillian accidentally got sauce on her mouth. And he like stayed in character and like wiped it off. And they're like, oh, that's cute. Let's do that. However, I don't believe that. And I did a little bit of debunking on that. So, yes. So aside from the fact that she's wearing all white and like cream colors, right? She's got this jacket with these 
gigantic lapels on that are all white. Like she doesn't remove her coat when she's eating, despite the fact she's wearing this gigantic like jacket with lapels. She's wearing a bib that is covered in sauce because it's TV, right? Right. And then she's pretending she's chewing when they're talking, but she's really not chewing because you can clearly see there's no food in her mouth. And like her teeth are super clean and like her lips are really clean too, but she's got this one little bit of dribble on the side of her mouth. And she's like wiping her hands and then like, but she wouldn't be wiping the sauce that she obviously has to feel on her lips. And then like Mulder's bib is totally clean. He took his coat off. His sleeves are rolled up. And then there's the framing of the shot. And like, I think it's just a cute story to tell in an interview, but it's totally yeah, because like be. they, because like you wouldn't break character during that. I'm sorry. You would break character during that when someone like, oh, I'm going to clean your face. That would break character. Not that, if you're a good actor, but yeah. Well, I, I, well I okay. Well, then we're everything not, else I'm not, not going to go there and make a bunch of people angry, but okay. So I think they would break character. Julian Anderson is great. Are you kidding? Uh, she may She's so better, good. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, she's all right. I don't think even they were spectacular. Anyway. So. That said, this could have been something that happened maybe in real life, although I'm not sure that it would really happen because it's not really a rib place. So I would be eating ribs there if it wasn't really a rib place. But I mean, it could have been something that happened. They're like, oh, that's cool. Let's redo it. But it's, the scene that's on film is definitely acting. It's not like something like, oh, haha, that was super spontaneous. Let's keep that serendipity. No, it's not. So anyway, and they would not let her eat ribs in that coat because that would be a nightmare to clean. Yeah, so. that's true. Anyway, that's just my thoughts on the story. All right. I think it is. I do. Because I did not see that story anywhere. Where did you see that story? Oh, I don't remember. Okay. It was either in one of the books or it was IMDb. Okay. Well, I assumed it was from the Brian Lowry book because Brian Lowry, but it wasn't. And so I wasn't sure because I looked, I didn't see it in any of the books that I looked at. So that's why I was wondering yeah. where you got it from. So It might have been IMDb. I've been reading IMDb okay. a lot lately, mostly to look up yeah. actors and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, they've got this other stuff here. Okay, I'm just curious. But yeah, I don't think it's a real story. But I, th- but I'm, I'm honestly, I think that happens a lot in TV and movies. A lot of the stories they tell about set stories are not really stories. They're just like publicity stories. So yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. So while they're eating, uh, one of the Red Museum members kind of walks by the window, and we see them walk by, and then. Outside, we see teens, and they've got they're in their car, and they like turn they're in their, their truck. Car. Yeah, they're it's a in truck. a big. I want to call it Jimmy because a GMC Jimmy. What are those technically called? I have the, no idea. The pickup with the back on it. I don't remember what they're called. Yeah, now, but yeah, a big old truck. And they basically drive by, spin their car around so they can go back around, and then like shout at him. So like. They're shouting and Mulder tells Scully to get the check and he kind of runs outside and then the teens have gotten out of the truck. So they're on the sidewalk and they're harassing the church member who's around their age. So he's like Mm -hmm. a teen also. And Mulder tells the teens to scram and he's like, hey, you've got a problem. And they kind of argue with him and Scully comes out and one of them sees the gun on her belt and he points it out to the others. And so the main kid, whose name is Rick says so what maybe my dad should hear about this and it turns out his dad is sheriff mazeroski and Mulder says yeah actually i think maybe your dad should hear about this yep. and so finally one of them convinces rick to like back down yeah and when scully first comes out one of them i don't know if it's rick or one of them was like maybe she should go home with wifey and then they see like she's putting her coat on which apparently she had taken off as Mulder ran out because then she's putting it back on and she comes outside and that's when they see her gun and then yeah yeah but I thought that was like you should go home with wifey so (laughs) yeah they're annoying little kids um anyway 
Yeah, they're not very nice. Yeah. So then Rick, we see Rick later, the head honcho. He pulls up to this building, and then he and his girlfriend get out, and they kiss. Oh, right? And then he gets back in his truck and waves goodbye and drives off, and then she heads towards her building. Doesn't even wait for her to get in the building. I not, know. Not good boyfriend behavior Come on, night. guys. Sorry. Like, one of your friends got abducted. It's nighttime. You just drop your girlfriend off and take off where she's even, like, basically she's like still standing there by the side of your truck and you like leave not good yeah if you drive someone home always watch them go inside rick is not the greatest individual on the planet no not surprising yeah so she hears something whining and i think it's actually her dog because she calls it by name i'm not sure maybe it's like a neighbor's dog or whatever but there's a dog he's tied up outside near the garbage can she's like what are you doing out here and she bends down to pet him and then someone grabs her puts like a cloth over her mouth and pulls her away so, and then the next morning, she's walking through the woods in her bra and underwear. So, she's in her underwear. And she's looking all disoriented. And there's some crows flying overhead. And then I'm pretty sure she hallucinates because there's a bunch of crows in a tree. And then, like, the tree full of crows morphs into a big crow. And it flies at her. And it's supposed to be looking like it's pecking at her face. And then we see her face. And she's all, uh, uh, uh. But there's nothing there, right? And then she falls down. And... I think they're roaches. You thought they were beetles. I think they're roaches. But anyway, they're crawling all over her arms and stuff. They're just all over the ground. She's like, ah, get them off, get them off, get them off. And then we pull back like the overhead shot of her doing that. And we see that on her back, it says, she is one. And then we go to commercial. Yeah, good times. Good times. Yeah. Everyone who wears underwear in the X-Files wears really baggy underwear. <laughs> I get it because censors, right? But it's always yeah, really probably. baggy underwear. Yeah. Yeah. Because remember in Gender Bender, the guy was supposedly wearing oh. women's underwear. But then I try not was, to remember gender. I know. <laughs> but like he was supposedly wearing women's underwear, but then when he's a man later, he's like it's a really super baggy like grandma underwear, and you're like that would not be fitting like that if you just morphed into a man from being a woman. So, yeah. <laughs> and she similarly is wearing like kind of like baggy grandma underwear. Yeah. But it's probably sensor stuff. So probably. So at the motor lodge, Mulder's on the phone with his old pal, Danny, whom he has called to get information in conduit and the Erlenmeyer flask and, you know, other times. Mm-hmm. And so he's on the phone with him. He's like, this is all good stuff. And he asked him to see what he can get from the NCIC, which is the national crime information center and call Mulder back. And Scully comes into the room and she's just finished examining the girl. And he asked what she found. And she's like, well, not much until the toxicology report came back. They had found traces of an unspecified alkaloid in her blood, possibly an opioid derivative, as well as a dangerously large quantity of scopolamine, which is a drug that's used for motion sickness in small doses, but in large amounts to powerful anesthetic with hallucinogenic quantities. Okay, so that explains, that's probably the clock that was on her face, and then, yeah. Yeah. So apparently this drug has been in the news lately because Colombian gangs have been using it in kidnappings to subdue their victims. So Mulder asks if it's a controlled substance and Scully says, yep, you'd have to be a doctor or a pharmacist to get a hold of it, especially in these quantities. And Mulder hands her his notepad and she reads that Richard Odin, a.k.a. Doug Herman, left the AMA in 1986 over questionable ethics inquiry and didn't renew his license. Hmm. Yeah. 
So he was part of the American Medical Association. And then there was some kind of questionable ethics inquiry. And he was like, I'm out. I'm out. And didn't yeah. bother to renew yeah. his license. So. That was eight years ago. Yeah. We're using X-File time. Okay. So then they go back to the Church of the Red Museum. They're at the property. And they knock on the door. Mulder and Scully is the they. And they identify themselves and flash their badges to the woman who answers the door. And they ask if they can see Richard Odin. And she's like, I'll check. And then as she goes to turn to go, like, go find him, he, like, walks up behind her. And Mulder asks if they can ask him some questions. And Mulder, Mulder's like, can we come inside and ask you a question? And then as he says it, he's, like, trying to walk inside, which is not, like, asking if you can come inside to ask questions. But anyway, and so then Odin's like, hey, no, you're not allowed to come in here. You're not allowed to come in. And Scully says, well, if you want, we can get a warrant. And he's like, you can do that, but you still won't be allowed to enter this building. And Mulder's like, um, that's not really how warrants work. Like, and Odin's no. like, you're meat eaters, and the buildings that house our kitchens cannot be desecrated by your presence. And so Scully says that you can't hide behind religious rights if a crime has been committed. And Odin is like, well, have I been accused of a crime? And then they hear this like, mm-hmm. and they turn around and like there's a whole bunch of like members of the of the Red Museum are like surrounding their car. And I say surrounding, they're just like standing there, like all facing the front door, just right. kind of doing the humming thing. And then Mulder's like, Odin, you need to step outside. We're placing you under arrest. So apparently like Mulder's not like humming and that set him <laughs> off and like, nope, we're going to arrest you for <laughs> abusive humming. So I, I think it's more because he's not cooperating <laughs> and he's a suspect and they need to talk to him somewhere they're not going to be interrupted by weird cult members humming around yeah. <laughs> yeah also if cops think you have done something but don't have proof and you don't want to cooperate they can then say you're hindering an investigation and arrest you for that and then so that's cool but yes not so. a great system but it does help <laughs> does help police procedural scripts because otherwise they would never get anywhere let's face it yeah. so then they're at Graham County Sheriff Station and Graham County does not exist also. So Glen Delta doesn't exist, neither does the county. But it's TV. It doesn't have to. So they're in an interrogation room. And Scully is sitting across the table from Odin while Mulder and Mazeroski are standing behind her. And she asks him if he's familiar with scopolamine. And he asks her if she's familiar with bovine growth hormone and the inhuman treatment of beef and dairy cows. And Mulder's like, just answer the question. And so he's like, yes, I know of the drug, but I've never prescribed it nor administered it. And so then Scully asks if he's ever ordered others to do so. And he says, no. And then Mulder asks if his religious beliefs prevent him from physically or psychically exacting revenge on those who don't share his beliefs, which is really subtle, like the psychically part, um, which no one mentions, but it's very Mulder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. And then, yeah. And then Odin says, barbarians will one day be cleansed from the earth. And Mazeroski gets angry at this time and he yells at him to answer the question. Maybe because that was like his son's girlfriend. I'm not sure. He's, he's starting to get kind of personal with it. I mean, he was kind of personal to begin with, but yeah, he's starting to get a little more personal here. And so he starts yelling that he did something to those kids. And like, and so then Mulder's like, hey, 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 you need to, this and you're not helping. So he makes the sheriff actually go out of the room. And so sheriff goes out the room. Mulder and Scully stay in the room. And then he tells Odin that for a holy man, you really have a knack of pissing people off. And then they're getting ready to start some more questioning, but Mazeroski pops back in. Hey, I think we have a problem down the street. Right. 
So we see the Church of Red Museum members are standing in front of Clay's barbecue, blocking the entrance. And then they're like, we only ask that you listen to the wisdom of the guides. And, you know, they're not letting people in. People want lunch. They're hungry. So Mulder and Scully and Mazeroski are all heading that way. And then we see Rick pull his truck up and he like puts it into park. And Rick runs up to the church members and says, how about a little cow blood and flings this bucket of cow blood on the woman speaking and it splashes her white clothes and like, you know, gets on several people around her and they're all like, including himself. He gets pretty bad splashback. Yeah. Which, you know, that's what you get, buddy. (laughs) And so then the sheriff runs over and grabs his son. Yeah. And I was just like thinking like, imagine driving with that bucket of blood in your car. Like I would be, so nervous i'd be driving like two miles an hour well i mean it's like a three gallon bucket it's got like a yes. gallon of blood in it and then also his friend is holding it the whole time when they pull up he like takes it from his friend so i think it was yeah i guess the friend is so, holding is probably not good yeah. i don't i would still be worried about like stopping quickly or yeah. and having although that is some over. that's some that's some premeditation we hope that he's not just driving around with buckets of blood for the oh, fun yeah. of having buckets of blood no I'm, I'm sure this was this was planned yeah. Although how he knew they'd be pro, I mean, maybe they protest every week. Maybe it's like a weekly. Maybe thing. it's a regular. Maybe they were just like, we're gonna drive around until we see one of them. We're just gonna throw <laughs> blood on them because we're cool like that. Anyway, so meanwhile, so while all this ruckus is going on, a man in a red truck kind of catches Scully's eye and kind of like, hey, over here, you know. And so she walks over there and he's like, are you the FBI agents? And she's like, yes. And he's like, there's something you need to see. So, hmm, something might be going on. Mm-hmm. So then we see that Mulder and Scully are in the dude's truck and just driving along the country roads, which I'm kind of thinking maybe don't, don't get into the stranger's vehicle out in the middle of the country, even if you are FBI agents. But they're still, agents with guns. I think they'll yeah, be Yeah, okay. but you got a car. Anyway, so <laughs> so they're driving down the road, and they pull over at this gate. So it's a big like, pasture. They get out, and they look, and the man tells them this pasture land belonged to his granddad, who bought it in 1890. And he died right over there by that cattle pen when he was 82 years old. He just fell off the tractor and he did. And then his dad worked the land for 40 years. And then he worked it himself for like 25 years until he decided to sell it. And Scully's like, well, why did you try to sell it? And one reason he sold it because he got like he sold it for like 50 times what his grandfather paid for it in 1890, which is pretty good. Yeah. And then he also says like the business changed, like people changed. You used to be able to get by with like 50 heads of cattle in a pasture. And now you need like 500 and you have to be basically doing like high industry right keeping them in pens feeding them grain they can't just graze you know it's just like the business changed everything changed so then scully says well what did you want to show us and he gestures to there's two men over by the cattle pen and they have a cow in there and they're injecting it with bst and scully says well that's a growth hormone which we know and he says that means more milk if it's a dairy cow and it's more meat if they're going to send it to slaughter so he says that has changed a lot of things. And Scully's like, well, what do you mean it's changed a lot of things? And he says that kerfuffle in town never would have happened 15 years ago. Like people were more civil. He's like, people have gotten mean and things have become dog eat dog. And then they have apparently had like seven rapes in the last year, which yes. no one has mentioned. And it was the high school boys who committed the rapes. And he says he'll think they'll find the kids in the woods come from the same root source. And Mulder's like, the growth hormone? And Scully argues that hormones have been proven safe and cleared by the FDA. But the man scoffs. He's like, you're going to trust the government? Like, yeah, Scully, you shouldn't be trusting the government. I mean, come on. And then one of the men working on the cows, he looks over at us. So they're getting ready to leave. They get back in the truck. And then one of the men turns around and he sees them getting into the truck. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. So apparently this guy is saying that the growth hormone for the cows may have something to do with why the kids are like super aggressive and committed apparently all these rapes that no one has mentioned. Yeah. Which one, that seems like something that might be relevant to these people waking up naked in the woods. Like that seems like that there might be a connection. Yeah. I mean, we're not saying that Gary committed a rape, but even if people are just being abducted, you've had seven rapes and no one has talked about that. Right. So it's a, it's a crime streak. Yeah. Something to look into at least. Although um, Scully did ask if when they found Gary, if he had been sexually assaulted and they said no. Right. Which at the time I thought was weird because usually we know in the real world, like law enforcement don't really care about rapes. So they're kind of like, oh, whatever it happens. It also seemed kind of strange to be asking about that. Um, um, but I, 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 I mean, it's not, but I mean, just the fact that usually people don't give a rat's ass anyway but then now we find out there's been like seven rapes in town in the last year and no one has mentioned that at all yeah so there are a lot of instances where boys are kidnapped for that though yeah oh i know i <laughs> know very I'm, common. Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's not something you should that you shouldn't be asking i'm just saying that it's weird because for the most part especially in the context of this episode there have been seven rapes and we don't oh, know, I know. and we don't know if they're just we're assuming that it was females being raped just because of the concept of it was the high school boys who committed it. Right. Right. We don't know for sure. We don't know which boys. We don't know what happened as a result of that. We just know that that is basically this guy is saying that something in the cows is making everyone aggro. And I guess that leads to rape. Yeah. Just in the context of no one has mentioned the rapes at all. It then seems weird that Scully would ask about that in the beginning. Oh, it doesn't seem weird to me at all. If a kid's been kidnapped and wakes up in the woods with his underwear that would be my yeah. first question. Well, I know, but I'm saying in context of no one then mentioning the fact that they're having Oh, I see that no one mentions the town. that. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. I was really confused. I'm like, why wouldn't no, she no, ask no. that? I would ask that. No, no, no. I'm saying, yes, you should. <laughs> but I'm saying in the context of then when they get to town, all they yeah. mention is that there's these weird cult members in town now. Yeah, it does seem weird that the that's the sheriff's first thing instead Everybody's of like, been possessed. Not that, oh yeah, in the past year, there have been like seven rapes. Yeah, that should have been at least part of the info packet. Yeah. Maybe. So, <laughs> then it's nighttime and we see this small plane and it's flying over a farm. And inside, the pilot's telling the passenger, Doc, that they're losing oil pressure. And the doc is like clutching this briefcase and he asks how far they are from the airport. And the pilot's like, we're not going to make it. And so then the plane crashes into a fiery ball at the edge of the woods because little planes mm. always crash into fiery balls. Yeah, like a Ford Pinto of planes. Boom. Yeah. Which I mean, it's not a real thing. That Ford Pinto no. thing is just a legend. But yeah. But yeah, it's like, like oh, I'm going to try and land. I'm going to try and land. And then jump cut. Yeah, did not do a good job trying to land. And they were over like a field and there's like a highway. I feel like he could have landed that anyway. Clearly not not a great pilot. So anyhow. And then like what was like I mean it had a full tank. I don't know, but yeah. Anyway, it really exploded. And then it's commercial. Yep. So anyway, random plane crash. Yep. Just another day in Wisconsin. Just another day in Wisconsin. (laughs) A lot of rapes, plane crash, (laughs) some abductions. And there's been a distinct lack of cheese in this episode, (laughs) which is like the one thing I know about Wisconsin. (laughs) No cheese. Yeah. Disappointed Mm. that there's been no cheese Mm. so far. Anyhow. 
And I don't know that West Compton is really known for its ribs either. But anyway. I mean, I'm sure they must have really good barbecue. Best in five but, states. That's what it but, says. Best in five states. At Clay's I barbecue. wanted to, I would have been surprised. Like, there should have been some, like, fried cheese curds or something. That oh, feels yeah. Con- also, yeah. that sounds good. And depending on how north they are, they could have thrown some poutine in there. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man. So hungry. Cheese, <laughs> speaking of cheese curds. So, yeah. So, then we come back from the commercial. <laughs> After our, <laughs> our commercial of like, are you hungry yet? So um, <laughs> bring us poutine <laughs> from Canada. Yeah. So there's a recovery team at the crash site and there are plane parts everywhere in the woods. Although not a lot of fire, which is weird. Not a lot of burn stuff, just random plane parts. So and so they're studying the plane and gathering evidence. And there's a lot of sheriffs, a lot of deputies in, in this they have a lot of deputies. it's a big response team it's a huge I, response it's, team. it's very huge they have firemen they have sheriffs they have Mulder and scully mazeroski's there and so he tells them they still need to id the pilot but the second body was that of dr gerald larson Mulder's like do you know him and he's like he delivered my kid so he delivered rick so he's obviously a villain because rick is not a good guy but he shows Mulder and scully a briefcase that doc was clutching that metal one that he was holding in the scene and it's popped open and well, it's kind of popped open. Mulder kind of like gets a little pin out and boop, pops it open. And it's full of cash wrapped in plastic. Some of it's kind of burned. And then a bunch of papers. And so Mulder says, look, the doctor was delivering more than babies. He's got a lot of money. <laughs> and there's $100 bills like wrapped in straps. So like straps of 2000 probably like three or four deep. And then full in the briefcase, right? That's a lot of money. And then Scully finds a small bag inside. And inside is a vial of something. Well, a vial that used to have something because the vial is actually empty, but she sniffs it. She can't tell what it is. And so Mazeroski says, Dr. Larson was a pillar of the community. And Scully is like, well, we'll know more when we figure out what's inside this vial. And it does have like a lot number and like an expiration date, but doesn't actually tell you what it is on the vial. Mm-hmm. So, and then, like I said, like in Blood, which had a really small town, we've got a lot of sheriff officers in this town or in this county, I guess, right? Because sheriffs are usually county stuff, not city stuff. But yeah. And of course, now that Scully's back, Mulder is not wearing gloves. So he didn't just <laughs> grab the briefcase, though. He did like use a pin to like flip it open because it had already been like kind of popped open when it was closed. So he right. pinned to pop it open. Scully is wearing gloves, but she's only wearing one. She's going all MJ. And then she uses her second glove, like as a tissue, to grab the thing that's in the suitcase instead of like putting it on. And like, why? I don't know. Like, she has it in her hand. Why didn't she just put it on? But she uses it like a handkerchief or something to grab the stuff and look at it. It's like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. But maybe Win Phelps doesn't know how evidence collection works, and he's just like, "This looks good. Do it this way." Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Anyway. So at the motel, Scully's on the phone and she's talking to someone and she's like, you're sure? Both kids? And Mulder comes in and he says, Scully, you're not going to believe this, which is a famous Mulder line. He says it a lot. Actually, before we started this podcast, I really wanted to call the podcast, Scully, you're not going to believe this. But there's like a science-y podcast that's called like, you're not going to believe this or something. And I'm like, oh, it's too close. It's too close. Mm. So anyway. I had some thoughts about the podcast too, but we can get into that later. (laughs) Anyway, it was just story. had a lot of little titles going, but that was one that I thought was funny. Just because every time Mulder says that, I laugh. I think it's the funniest line. I think because it's been turned into a meme on Tumblr where like someone posts a photo of like a fake UFO, and then they always have a picture of Mulder going, Scully, you're not gonna believe it. (laughs) Anyhow. It might be aliens. (laughs) Yeah, sort of like that. 
So Scully kind of knows what he's going to say. And she's like, you found a connection between the out of town kids and the ones abducted here. Every one of them was a patient of Dr. Larson as children. And Mulder says the printouts in the briefcase were actually shipping orders along with a list of credit card numbers. And each credit card number has belonged to a victim's family. And Scully's like, why would he have a list like that? And Mulder thinks maybe it's to track them. Like he's not really sure yet, but they won't get the results of the vial contents until tomorrow. So Scully asks if he thinks maybe it's BST and Mulder says that doesn't really track with the amount of cash they found. Like there's no money in that. And it doesn't explain who's marking the kids or why. Yeah. I am curious why they won't get the results from the vial back for a day, but then they got the toxicology reports back like instantaneously when they were checking out his girlfriend. Like I realize they're slightly different things but it's always like well we're not going to get the toxicology report like for a day where this time we got it back immediately but now we're like waiting for this other thing it seems a little it's you know, maybe the lab was surprisingly like on top of things for one day maybe yeah going back to the whole podcast name thing because uh, this podcast was your idea right you, we talked yes, about it, it, was. It, was your, it was your idea it was. i did have the idea though that we should only do episodes when there actually were x-files episodes because we started the podcast on september 10th right so that's the anniversary and i was like so if there's an x-files episode we do the show if there's a rerun we just rerun the old podcast And if there's not one we don't put one on but then i was like that's gonna be like 11 years of podcast and that's a long time and then also last year the 10th was on a thursday which kind of broke it so it saved us so yeah well plus that would be a really erratic podcast schedule Because we've seen how erratically they release episodes. But it would it would match. It would be and and also if we did it this year, that would have been perfect because this year the tenth is a Friday. Mm. And it's also the year after a leap year. So it would match until twenty twenty eight. Then we'd get junked because two thousand there wasn't a leap year because you don't do leap years at the end of centuries. And so we'd be off in two thousand twenty eight. We would have lost the track. But yeah, yeah, that still would have been that's 11 years. I don't know. Four years is a long time. 11 years. Whew, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Would have been very odd. But it's a fun idea. Yeah. I have ideas. They're not always fantastic. But yeah. you know what? Neither. I was just saying earlier today, like I have good ideas once in a while. And then I have a lot that just are not worth even saying out loud. So, well, you know, you don't know which ones are going to be good and which ones are going to be bad until you do them or you actually sit down and think about it. So true. It's very yeah. true. Yeah. So we see several members of the Church of the Red Museum. They are walking across a misty field into the woods very serene and slightly surreal picture we've got going on here. And we pull back from that scene and we see the cow pen that we saw earlier and the men who were injecting the cattle. And one is like putting away his tools and stuff. And the other one who is the one who saw Mulder and Scully and the man in the red truck, get into the truck and leave. He says, okay, well, I guess I'll see you tomorrow. So it actually must be like, I assumed it was morning because of the mist and stuff, but I guess it must be like towards evening. Yeah. They're, they're, They're done for the day. Right. And so he gets in his truck and he's like, all right, see you later. So he's driving away. And then as he's driving, there's this blue car that that pulls into the, like, I don't want to say drive, but like in the field, right? A little dirt road coming out. So a car goes in and like it goes by him and he kind of stops and he looks and he's kind of like, huh. And so he keeps going. And then the blue car pulls up and his co-worker, I think it's actually supposed to be his boss, the guy who was putting tools and stuff, gets up and he's kind of like, oh, hey, who are you? And the guy in the car gets out, boom, shoots him in the head. He's dead. Yep. So I don't know if you want to say who this is yet, because I don't we can. know. We can't. I, I immediately recognized him. You I did not. 
I did yeah. not. So I thought it, I thought it was good actually that I did. I didn't realize he had a name until I was looking in the books later. But he apparently has the name of Crew Cut Man. Yes, and he it appears is, a lot, so it's actually kind of embarrassing that I did not recognize him. But yeah. but he is the one who beat the crap out of Mulder in the early Meyer Flask, and then also killed Deep Throat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, got dun, that dun, cool, dun. got that scar on his nose. Yeah. yeah, he will become a fixture. Oh, oh, he will. Okay, well, knowing what happens in this episode, I'm like, yeah, whoa, okay, uh-huh. all right, okay, yeah. I'm on. I'm pretty with this sure. Now. I'm pretty sure that's this. Wow, guy. Anyway. I think you just spoiled the crap out of something, but okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was like, I should have recognized him because I think he comes back. Anyway, we'll okay. get to that. All right. Spoilers. This podcast is full of spoilers, by the way, guys. If you haven't seen the X Files. Yeah, I mean, technically it is a rewatch. I mean, mainly the rewatch is Tori, not me, because I basically stopped watching in season one. But yeah. Yeah. So, and it's been like how many? It's years? almost 30 years. We're at like I'm 28 so years almost at this point. Oh We're like 27 gosh. and a half years. I'm just so. going to crumble into dust in the corner because it's in world. Hydrate, anyway. Hydrate, hydrate, <laughs> hydrate. So Mulder and Scully pull up to Beth Kane's apartment building and she's outside taking out the trash. And she's like, Gary isn't home right now, but they actually want to talk to her. So inside, they're sitting down, they're talking. And Beth is surprised to learn that they think that Dr. Larson was doing some kind of tests on Gary. And Scully's like, well, has he ever had any strange illnesses or anything weird? And Beth's like, no, Gary's never been sick a day in his life. And Mulder's kind of incredulous, but like she insists. And she's like, no, Gary went to Dr. Larson for vitamin shots, but otherwise like he's been healthy. You know, Gary's unbreakable. He's never been sick a day in his life. Yeah. He's, he's like Bruce Willis. He's the superhero. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, he calls people butt crumb, which is not cool for superheroes, but, you know. His little brother. We all say yeah, things to our younger siblings. That that's just me. I don't know. Later regret. Also, I'm really sorry to my younger brother. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of, he doesn't visually, he just kind of, like, that scene reminded me, like, of, like, Weird Science with Chet. Always. Oh, Okay, yeah. On. Ironically, beaten up. No, Gary is not the brother. What's the brother's name? I forget, because Gary is Anthony Michael Hall. Okay. Yeah, I forget who the other one is. But yeah, he's always beaten on his brother. Yeah, I've seen that movie, but it's been a very long time, so I don't remember. Or was it a show? It was a movie and a show, right? It was a movie and it was a show. Yeah. I think I saw the show, too, but it's, again, a very long time. Yeah. Bill and Ted had a TV show at the same time. Okay. So did RoboCop. It, yeah. Yeah. It was all the TV, I'm sure, it was on in my house. I don't know how much I paid attention. <laughs> so then Mulder asks if she's ever taken Gary to a different doctor. And Beth says no, but actually her husband Jay kind of wanted to. He was worried that Gary wasn't growing. But then Jay had an accident at the packing plant seven years ago and obviously hasn't been around, so it hasn't been an issue. And then Mulder notices this strange light. And like it's like kind of reflecting, like something's light is coming through from a weird angle and it's reflecting and it's like the small pinprick of light and so he asks what it is and it's like coming through this mirror and Mulder breaks the mirror and he finds this room behind it with like a light bulb hanging and a camera and a bunch of VHS tapes and Beth looks rightfully disgusted I'm disgusted and I'm super like this whole part did not make a ton of sense to me so I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot, but it was yeah, very. I immediately had questions that we're going to wait till later because I'm going to see if they answer them. But there is one part that I do want to talk about, and it's Mulder sees the light, and we see the light. We see a pinprick of light, 
like it's like it's supposed to be like coming through the mirror right like right and he holds his hand up and it makes a, a little circle and it makes it it's a disc right so it is like coming from a peephole but there's no peephole in the wall and then when he breaks the mirror we actually see him break it from behind the mirror in the little tiny room with the camera and stuff and it's not a two-way mirror it's a regular mirror it's painted on the back it's just got like a window there. Like there's nothing yeah. there's no wood behind it. Right. So like, how is the dude and the camera is pointed at the mirror. Like, how is the dude seeing like if the, like he was, if he had scraped away a little peephole in the mirror, you would see that because then it would just be glass. Like what's going on here. There's no peephole, but then it's not a two way mirror. It's really Yeah. Weird. The whole setup is super weird. I mean, it's badly done, but like just from a set design perspective, like, not that the set design is bad, but just like from a logical perspective, you're like, right. this doesn't make any sense. But then also yeah. the fact that it's there at all doesn't make any sense. So this whole thing well, is that's, super weird. That's the part I want to hold off on. Okay, we'll I, get I was there. Gonna, I was going to see because, yeah, like a like a room just in your apartment behind the, yeah. But I, yeah, I wanted to weird. wait and see if they touched on that before I ranted about that. So Yeah, there's so much. Yeah. Okay, anyway, we'll talk about it. This, this part of the whole episode is just super. Yeah. Ugh, Surprisingly, they actually do take care of that problem i was impressed so yeah i mean they do it's just still weird <laughs> no it's still weird yeah no it's weird but they do they do take care of that like yeah who has just a space in their walls for you to put a room uh, hopefully nobody yeah Man. so then rick and his buddy are drinking in rick's truck and they're listening to loud music and there are no hiding labels in this episode they're drinking budweiser from the bottle so same beer that our cigarette smoking man enjoys as well and then his friend is like, I got to drain the lizard. And he's like, what do you want an award? And then he's like, ha, ha, ha. and then goes out and he finds a place in the woods to urinate. And while he's doing that, the weird rancher dude sneaks up and grabs Rick because Rick's staying in the truck. Oh, he grabs him, covers his mouth. And then when his friend comes back, the driver's side door is open, but Rick is gone. So spoiler. Well, I guess not spoiler, because you saw it. If you watched the episode, you know, it's the guy who wa saw them get in the truck who was injecting cattle and saw right. the truck drive. So. The guy who drove away before his boss was right. killed. Yeah, not the dude who got shot in the head, because that would be even freakier. That would be so, freaky. That would be freaky. Yep. And then the next morning, there's, again, a whole bunch of sheriff's officers, right, just standing around Rick's body. And he's laying on his stomach and he's got he is one written on his back and then sheriff drives up and he's like oh get away get away and he grabs the son and he flips him over and he starts crying he holds him but when he flips him over we see that rick has a single bullet wound in the middle of his forehead yeah and then we see coming out of the woods the dude who shot the other rancher crew cut man is coming out of some trees and he goes over and he opens his trunk drops his gun in there and then closes it. And then it's commercial time. He just come out of the woods holding the gun in his left hand, but he shoots with his right hand. And so I'm thinking that's probably just scene blocking or maybe he's probably. I don't know. But yeah. yeah, well, he might be ambidextrous given what we will learn about him later. Not oh my sure. gosh. Oh, okay. You're just throwing <laughs> you were just throwing down with if that. this is who I think it is, which maybe it's not, and I'm just saying all this nonsense. Oh, and oh we'll find out. Like okay. Fit, so I could all be wrong. Right. Yeah. <clears> I'm <throat> gonna be totally yes. crass. We talked about how Rick is not like the best human being on the planet, right? I'm gonna be totally crass and say that the town totally dodged a bullet 
by Rick not doing so. <laughs> oh, poor yeah. Rick. I mean, he wasn't a great guy, but he was just a kid. No, and I mean, honestly, but you should blame the parent, right? I mean, you can't always blame the parent. Sometimes people are just like that, but probably some of the parent on this one. So, yeah. So, in a car, Mulder's driving and Scully's looking at the file. And it shows a photo of the rancher guy whom she says is Gerd Thomas. So this is the guy who we saw take Mm -hmm. Rick. And he's owned the building that the Canes lived in for 21 years. And he used to run a daycare out of it. And that solved the problem of why there's a weird peephole room in the apartment complex. Because he's owned it for 21 years. He probably put it in there. And and remodeled when he remodeled into an apartment. Exactly. Yep. And as they're driving down the highway, like there's, you know, a road going out into the highway and the shooter in the blue car pulls up to like pull onto the highway and Scully sees his face and she like recognizes him, but she doesn't really know where from. And so she tells Mulder, like, I know that guy as he like, you know, drives the other direction. Yeah. And Mulder is totally oblivious. He doesn't even, I don't think he even saw that there was a car pulled on the road. He's like, yeah, what, what? Just driving. No, he doesn't know. Because Mulder would have recognized him immediately. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go because, like, yeah, Mulder should definitely recognize him. And I went back and watched the Erlenmeyer flash to check something, which turns out was partially unwarranted. But then I did see something else that we're going to talk about at the end of the episode. So, but yeah, I was kind of thinking, like, how would Scully know? She saw him from far away, but it turns out she actually did see him drive by similarly in Erlenmeyer flash. So she would have yeah. got to look at his face. But she doesn't know where she saw him from yet. And to be honest, like when I first, when I saw him and I see Scully recognize him, I realized like, I recognize that guy too, but I, you know, I'm not really sure where yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, how, how would she recognize him? She only saw him like in the rearview mirror in the dark, in the rain. But yeah, she actually did see like get a good look at his face. So I was like, okay, good job, I guess. But the fact that Mulder's like totally oblivious as he's driving is not a cool sign. Mulder needs to pay more attention surrounding when he's driving. <laughs> he is watching the road, which is road safety. <laughs> well, part of road safety is looking at when cars are pulling out because you don't know which direction they're going to pull out, right? That's part of road safety know, as well. I know, I know. So he's I lost a thought. Yeah, I do wonder. I, I ask you a question. Yeah. So that answers the question of like, how did that Heidi room get in the bathroom? And yeah. possibly it like connects to like everyone's bathroom because he's got a lot of video cassettes, right? Yeah, gross. Is everyone's bathroom. But also they throw in the end. He ran a dare key out of it. Do you think that's like some satanic panicky kind of thing they just threw in there? Or what do you think was going on with that? Probably. So I think it's probably supposed to kind of invoke that kind of like we're in the Midwest. And so there's like this evil predator and, you know, obviously he's supposed to be some kind of pedophile. So that is. Yeah. Cause he does. We find out later, he does have like a connection with the kids. Right. So it's like, but he's also watching the mom. So he's just really gross all around. Not that watching kids isn't less. It's still super gross. The whole thing is super gross. Yeah. But he's, he's apparently equal opportunity. Gross is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, we technically don't know that he's watching kids at this point, but then we are going to find out because they've got Gerd in the interrogation room and Mulder's like, you've got quite the video library there. And then Mulder says he's really impressed by the videos of the little boys, which maybe impressed isn't the best word to use Mulder in that situation, but okay. And then Gerd says, I'm like, I'm a sick man. And Mulder's like, no, if you were sick, you would have gotten help. Like, if you know you're sick, you would have taken care of this. And so he asked if he kidnaps the kids. And Gerd's like, yes. But he didn't murder Rick. And Mulder asks if he kidnapped Rick or if he wrote the words on his back. So Mulder's, like, playing, totally playing bad cop here. He's, like, shouting at him and walking around and all this kind of stuff. And then he shows him the body 
right? As he's doing this, did you write the words on his back and kill him? And Gerd says, I've never killed anyone. He says the kids had become monsters. That's why he writes, he is one on their backs. And he says, it's all because of Dr. Larson and the tests. Yeah. So at the mention of tests, Scully remembers the face of the driver in the blue car. And then she remembers that he's the man who shot Deep Throat. So at that point, like she does finally, it clicks yeah. into place. And we actually get the footage from Erlenmeyer Flask of Deep Throat. Yeah. Thought too. yeah. And so she excuses herself from the room. And Gerd says Dr. Larson was using those kids as some kind of test. And he was paying them to inject stuff into their cattle as well. So Gerd didn't know what it was that they were injecting into the cattle until after the rapes happened. And Dr. Larson told his boss, which is the man who was shot, that he felt responsible for everything those kids has done and that he was giving them the same inoculations as were, the cows were getting, basically. Mm-hmm. And Mulder asked if Dr. Larson was involved in the kidnappings at all. And Gerd says, no, Dr. Larson just didn't want his secret to come out, like about how he was treating the kids with this weird substance. So he didn't care about those kids like I did, because if you care about kids, you kidnap and assault them. So whatever. Yeah douchebag anyway um scully comes back and she tells Mulder that she thinks gerd is telling the truth and she got the results back from the vial so what it contains is a mixture of corticosteroids strange amino acids and it also matches the substance known as purity control Mm. Mm. i take corticosteroids but i don't think there's alien dna in mine I mean, you don't really know. I don't. I don't. Have you had it? Have you had it analyzed? No. Okay. I mean, Scully probably has alien DNA. I mean, isn't there something later in the seasons about she gets told that she's like immortal and never going to die or something? I, I don't I know. I know. I thought that I read she, that somewhere. I know that she'll point. have a very badly timed nosebleed at some point that will indicate. Oh, okay. I mean, alien she does mess up or something in her body yeah. is alien related, but I don't know if it's. Well, she's got like that branch DNA from yeah. one breath. That's but supposedly... as we know, that that is all like inactive or whatever. Well, that's what they said. Yeah. We don't know. We can trust the lone gunman on that, which to be fair. Yeah, but it could also be something that's like timed, right? It looks yeah, like it's going, that's true. It's going dormant and then becomes active. Yeah. And like they activate the sensor that makes your nose bleed. Who knows? But going back to the purity control in the Erlenmeyer flask, purity control actually contained non terrestrial genes and like an entirely new DNA strand with like separate proteins, like alongside the human DNA. But now it's just like some steroids and some strange amino acids, but she knows it's purity control. So I'm kind of like, how do you know it's purity control? Yeah, that's true. Because this test wouldn't. Like, unless they were testing for genes, they wouldn't have tested that. Maybe she just knows that it's, like, the same basic substance that they originally found before they analyzed the genes. Either way, get some protection to whoever yes. did the analysis because they're going to die. Probably. Yeah, that's... Yes. If history is anything to go by, yes. Yeah, and then we get the mention of the rapes again, which no law enforcement anywhere mentions at all in this episode, at least in this show. Ooh, foreshadowing. So... Also, hashtag realistic. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. Because again, Um, the only mention of any kind of sexual assault is the old dude, Gerd, and then Scully in the beginning just asking, like, was there sexual assault in maybe it's just as simple as these small town sheriffs want to sweep their little bad stuff under the rug and they don't want to tell the But everyone knows about them. And it's (laughs) I'm not saying it's a good thing. And they're telling they're telling the FBI agents who are like 
oh, like they're not like digging into like, we should maybe check into all these rapes that have happened. They might be connected to yeah. the abductions. I mean, for all no. we know, those have been prosecuted and dealt with. We just don't find anything out about them. So we don't know. Okay. Um, you, you and your benefit of the doubt. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm an optimist at heart. That is maybe the biggest lie I've ever told. But uh, I have anxiety. We are not allowed to be optimists. I, yeah, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because I feel like some of the stuff in this episode is kind of just thrown in and it's like, there's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think it was cool how they did like crew cut man though, because like it had been long enough where if you were watching the series on TV, you wouldn't have seen deep throat for a while uh, or earlier Meyer flask. And so like the fact that Scully recognizes him and like, as the viewer, you're kind of like, Oh, that guy does look familiar. A lot of people probably wouldn't originally realize where he was from. Like they would have known that they had seen him before, but they wouldn't maybe put this. I mean, you did, but like we also have watched these in quicker succession than they aired. Right. Because, yeah, Erlenmeyer Flast, I do not think has gone into rerun yet. So you saw right. it once when it aired. And then this is like almost like nine months later. Right. So, so I think that was kind of cool because there would be a lot of people who were like, oh, that's where I recognize, you know. So I thought that was kind of neat how they did it. I thought it was well done. I guess more like seven months because it was like in this season was what May I think so yeah this is December yeah. but still it's been a while so then they leave the room and then Mulder's like hey get someone in there. you don't want to leave the suspect in the room by himself so like one of the sheriff's deputies goes in there and Mulder's like do you know what you're saying and she's like I'm saying Dr. Larson may have been injecting kids with something derived from extraterrestrial source and Mulder's like alien DNA and Scully's like, it was never proven conclusively because she has, like, I think she's contractually obligated to be, like, as skeptical as possible, even though she just said that they were injected with something from extraterrestrial source. Admittedly, extraterrestrial source does not mean alien DNA, but still. Mm-hmm. So he says, but it's the same sustenance of the Erlenmeyer flask, right? Which is kind of meta. That's kind of cool. I kind of like that. I don't know if they intended that, but because Erlenmeyer flask is the episode, but it's also what they found the fluid in. So that's kind of cool. And then he says, like, it all, it all makes sense. So he's put, he's got his board and he's got the red string. Just he's, he's solved it. And then he says that someone was paying to have the kids injected with alien DNA to see how they'd react. And then it's been going on for years. She doesn't think that Gurn maybe knew anything about all that, but his boss probably did because he was just found shot in the head out in the pasture. And the man that she recognized in the road that's the man who killed Deep Throat. And she kind of gets all like emotional looking at this point. And I'm kind of like, you hardly knew the dude. But anyway, we talked about that in one of the other episodes. So I'm not going to go over that again. And then Mulder realizes the assassin must be there to cover his tracks and will go after the kids. So he tells her to get the sheriff and meet him at the Kane's apartment building. And then Mulder says, and I want this guy taken alive. So because Mulder's yeah. going to like torture him or something probably to get back. No. To yeah, probably. He's probably going to strangle him. I bet he strangles him if he catch him. I bet he's going to strangle him. He tried to strangle Dwayne Barry. Probably going to strangle Crew Cut Man if he gets a chance. We'll find out. So. <laughs> so Mulder races up to the door to the Kane's apartment and Beth answers and he tells her that they all need to pack some clothes and come with him and he'll explain later. And the sheriff pulls up and Mulder tells him to round up every family whose credit card number was on that list. And Mazeroski's like, well, where are we going to take all these people? Yeah. I was wondering if it was important, and I do think it actually is important, that this is the first time we don't see Mazeroski in his uniform. He's just in his clothes, like a flannel shirt and a baseball cap and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually important for a reason later. And we'll talk about that when it okay. pops up. So. 
So then at the Church of the Red Museum, Mulder tells Odin that he needs his help. And he's like, it may offend your religious sensibilities, but you might be able to help save some kids' lives. So then we see the families are brought into the Red Museum's barn, which is a building where they don't have a kitchen, not violating Mm. those rules. But basically, Odin is letting them all stay in this barn. And so they're all loitering around. And like we do see some church members on the other side of the room kind of watching. And Scully asks Mazeroski where Mulder is. And Mulder basically told Mazeroski to keep the family safe. And he's going to scout out places that this killer guy might be. Hmm. And I do kind of like that there's like this twist with the cult where they're not actually the bad guys here and they're actually helping out. I thought that was neat. Yeah, it turns out they have actually done nothing wrong whatsoever. I mean, right. episode's not over yet, but it's going to turn out they have done nothing wrong whatsoever, aside from maybe trying to keep people away from some obviously delicious, delicious ribs. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was cool. It was a good twist. Yeah. So then Mulder arrives at the beef processing plant and he finds a trail of gasoline on the floor. And what I thought was kind of hilarious is that so he goes in and he like sees like it just looks like wetness on the floor. So he reaches down and he touches it and then he smells it. And he's like, I recognize the smell. And then he gets up and there's a can of gasoline like five feet in front of him. And I'm like, okay, Mulder, like you could just see that gasoline can. But I thought that was funny. Anyway, so he finds the trail of gasoline on the floor and he follows it into the building and then he finds another gasoline can with a newspaper sticking out of it. And then he sees a man carrying another gasoline can and Mulder's like, stop, FBI. So, of course, the guy runs like should have shot him in the leg or something, Mulder. Anyway, so guy runs, he drops the can, takes off. So Mulder's looking for him and they're actually now in like, I'm not sure if they're in the refrigeration section or the freezer section, but there's obviously like the hanging sides of beef everywhere, right? So Mulder's looking for him, looking for him and he's like, and then he like gets down and kind of crouches and to look under the beef to see if he can see feet and then he starts to get back up and the dude was like smart. He was like hanging from one of the hooks and like swings out boom, kicks Mulder, Mulder's gun goes flying and then he runs. And then Mulder gets up to chase after him, but the guy had run out of the freezer slash fridge. I think this one's just a fridge, but he locks the door on the outside. So Mulder can't get out. Mulder's trapped in the fridge. So then he grabs a lighter and he's getting ready to light all the gasoline. But Scully shows up and she's got a bunch of deputies with her and Mazeroski's there. And she's like, put down the lighter now. And then Mulder starts banging on the door and we cut to Mulder banging on the door. And as we cut to Mulder banging on the door, simultaneously, we hear gunshots as Mulder's banging. Boom, 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 boom. And then we cut to Mazeroski and he's like holding his arm straight out. We can't see his gun, but like we we hear like the last gunshot and then we hear like click, 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 click. So he just like unloaded onto the crew cut man. Mm -hmm. And then we see the crew cut man lying on the ground. Doesn't have any like blood or bullet holes in his clothes or nothing. And then Scully looks back at Mazeroski and she's kind of like bent down, like bent forward for some reason. I'm not sure why, but then she like reaches her arm out and we see like, she's like lowering his arm, right? Cause he's still got his arm out and he's kind of shaking. And at this point he's like crying because he's upset. Cause he realizes this guy probably killed his son. Right. So then Mulder comes out and he's got a bunch of deputies with him because they obviously went and let him out of the fridge or the freezer or whatever it is. And then he's like, get this guy out of here. So he gets Mazeroski out. And he's like, everyone, just get out, get out. So then he walks over to Scully. And they just kind of stare at the body of Deep Throat's assassin lying on the floor. Mm-hmm. And the camera slowly pans. And I'm going to let Tori take it. Because it's all Scully from here. 
<laughs> Scully all the way down. Um, <laughs> so then Scully's voiceover tells us the identity of the man shot in the meatpacking plant has yet to be found. So his fingerprints are on file and it remains doubtful that anyone will come forward to ID the body or claim the body. And then we like crossfade to townspeople in the barn and all of them are like, you know, looking at the camera and her voiceover continues that the contents of the vial were revealed to be an unstable antibody of no known biological origin. After three weeks, it broke down and it couldn't be studied further. And this corresponded with a severe flu-like illness developing in the children who were believed to have been injected, as well as some of the local families. And then we see a shot of the church members. And Scully tells us that to date, none of the members of the church had ever contracted that illness. And Scully thinks whoever was behind the experiment was using them as a control group, because obviously if they don't eat meat, they're not getting any of the stuff in their system. And then we fade to a suitcase full of money and then Clay's barbecue. And Scully tells us that it's believed the illness was spread through tainted milk and beef and a local advisory and quarantine was established and health authorities have promised to do an inquiry onto what happened. So the FBI case is stalled, but it remains open and unsolved. And then we see the man in the red truck, who's the one who like showed them the cow pasture and stuff. And he's in front of Clay's barbecue. And we see that sadly Clay's barbecue has closed and he mm. drives off. Yeah, I mean, you That's see him end. down the road, and then Scully's voiceover ends. Doo -doo -doo. Yeah. So I do think it's weird that Scully is doing the voiceover still, though, because we know she's, well, we assume, maybe she is, that she's not still writing reports on Mulder for someone else. And so these are just the X-File reports, and Mulder is kind of the keeper of the X-Files. So I think it's yeah. that she's doing them better. I guess because they've kind of established her as the voiceover person and she's Maybe. writing her own reports. Because well, Mulder did that one that was definitely like the X file, like, yeah, report. he did that one voiceover. Well, she's still filing her, I'm sure she's still writing her own reports that are going into the X file. Okay. And, and also, she does more of the sciencey stuff. So, well, well, because before she was actually, you know, she was writing them for, you know, right. For Skinner. Blevins and for Skinner. Yeah. Don't forget Blevins. Give Blevins. Oh, right. Head. Blevins existed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blevins existed. Poor Blevins. Oh, right. Blevins existed. Poor Blevins. <laughs> Poor Blevins. If it wasn't for Blevins, we wouldn't have the team of Scully and Mulder because he did it. So it's true. It's true. Or at least, or at least he was told to do it. So, so here we're going to get into where I think it's important that Mazeroski was in his street clothes instead of in his police uniform because I think they did not want to show an officer of the law like basically executing someone on screen oh, even though we I... technically don't like see the shooting like the, sh like the like we never see him actually shoot because like the gunshots are off screen and then when we come back and we hear that last shot mm -hmm. like his gun is actually off screen we just see his arm sticking out but like the gun is cropped at the bottom of the screen and then we hear the clicking noise but i think it's because they didn't want to sh actually show like an officer like actually just like gutting someone down i think i'm gonna say that i mean that's probably... possible i'm gonna argue that that's not the case i think i mean it's entirely possible but i i, I think they do show that in the show several times i don't think that's the, the situation i think he's supposed to be off duty because his son just died and then they have this like emergency of like no we got to get people out of their houses and like but i mean like when he showed up he was driving his sheriff's car yeah so, that's true but... i don't know that's that i mean it's it's totally possible it just doesn't strike me as something the show would have been worried about in 1994 
especially given some of the content of the show. But it's possible. I, guess, I don't know. Maybe. I just think I think there are there are like degrees because I mean that's not I mean like yeah you see cops shoot people but it's like in the line of duty kind of thing. Whereas yeah. this is obviously not something that is like yeah. Well, this is obviously an unhinged like you killed my yeah. son. I'm getting revenge. Yeah. And so you don't want to show an yeah. unhinged cop or sheriff right. in this case like shooting someone. That's just a yeah. theory. But yeah, I, it's possible. It's totally possible. Yeah. So I also didn't want to mention it in the beginning of the episode, but this episode is a myth arc episode. Mm-hmm. I believe just because the crew cut dude, and then we also get the purity control. I think that's probably why. Well, yeah, because the alien DNA yeah. being injected into kids, which yeah. will come up again a lot, I believe, if my memory oh, is correct. Okay. I think that might even be part of the plot of the first movie, but again, my memory of the first movie is so bad, and I was talking to my friend about it, and like, I mentioned something and she was like, I don't think that's the same movie. So I don't know if oh, okay. the right thing. So I don't know. I don't know. My memory is awful. So it'll be fine. Well, we will find out in <laughs> three more seasons and some change. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll figure that out. But this episode was originally meant to be an attempt at a cross-network television crossover. And they were going to have a crossover with the show Picket Fences, which aired on CBS. Mm-hmm. And picket fences took place in Rome, Wisconsin, which is a fictional town. It's and so the cross fictionally nearby Delta Glen. Yeah. So it was going to have people from picket fences appear on this episode. And then Mulder and Scully were going to appear on picket fences. Yes, Cause picket fences, despite being a CBS television show was actually produced and created by the Fox network, which is the same obviously company that produces X-Files. Right. So apparently CBS mostly acts the idea. It's unclear exactly why, but that idea was scrapped. And there is an episode of Picket Fences that features an FBI agent investigating a very similar case. Yes, that episode aired the following week. So after this episode aired on December 9th, there was actually no Picket Fence episode on December 9th. But on December 16th, 1994, the Picket Fences episode, which from their season three, episode 10, entitled Away in the Manger, it featured the plot of this X-Files. And it actually airs at 10 p.m., so it actually airs right after the X-Files. So if they had done the crossover, that would have been a really cool connection. Mm-hmm. So Picket Fences actually airs in the dreaded Friday night death slot. Which is kind of funny because it like consistently had better viewership than the X-Files did. Picket Fences ran for four seasons from 92 to 96. So they're a season ahead. But like ever since the X-Files has been on, Picket Fences actually had better viewership numbers than X-Files oh. did. Even though it's on later in the death slot. At one point, they actually had like more than double the numbers of X-Files. Like when X-Files first started. But at this time, it was more like 10 to 25% more. And then like in February, it kind of flips. Anyway, that's all boring. You guys don't probably don't care. But to their credit, so all references to the Picket Fences part got cut out of the X-Files episode. We don't get any of it at all that was going to be in there. Picket Fences, however, mentions basically the entire plot of Red Museum, like in the first 10 minutes of the show. They mention the name of the town, Delta Glen. They mention the rapes. They mention the cows. They mention the two murders. They mention the plane crash. They mention Dr. Larson by name and that he was injecting kids with vitamins. They mention the cult and they mention alien DNA. Yeah. And 
and and and and they actually pretend that it's actually december in wisconsin in picket fences there's snow and it's actually supposed to be like the christmas episode right so. yeah so we actually nick hunted this episode down and we actually both watched it um, mm-hmm. we're not going to do like a full here's a recap of what happened but um i was going to say the same thing like when i started watching it i'm like oh it'll be interesting how they bring this in and then like right away they're just like yeah over in delta Glen, where those two kids were murdered and there was a plane crash and dr larson and i was like they literally just refer to the entire plot. They don't mention the Red Museum by name, but they call them a cult. Like, it's so weird. And the hilarious thing is, like, I can just imagine if you were, like, a fan of both shows and you'd watch The X-Files, like, a week before, and then you, like, see this thing on Picket Fences, you're going to be like, wait, did something really happen in Wisconsin? What's going on? Why is everyone talking about this? Like, unless you knew that there had originally been like a planned crossover. It just is really odd. And I guess because maybe they'd already written it when the crossover was axed and they're like, eh, we're not going to change our script. I don't know what happened there. But I just thought it was really funny. I was really astounded at how much it like directly referred to the yeah. X-Files episode as if it were and, what happened. And they are the only law enforcement agents to mention the rapes. Like it's not mentioned by any law enforcement in X-Files. No. Nope. In Picket Fences, they'd be like, oh yeah, and they had all those rapes. And I'm like, oh my God. Like they mentioned every single plot point. It was Delta crazy. Glenn just doesn't care, but the people over in Rome, they, I yeah. guess they care. Yeah, the two murders because Rick and then the Gerd's boss, right, are the two murderers. And so like they just nailed every single plot point. It was Yeah, it was impressive. weird. But also, I didn't know Don Cheadle was in Picket Fences. Yeah, I, when when I saw that, I was like, "What?" Yeah, I yeah, because like I ha- I do not remember ever watching Picket Fences, and I I remember hearing about it. I don't think my mom watched it. I don't think anyone in my family watched it, so I had no idea. And I was like, "Don Cheadle, oh my god!" Yeah, he apparently joined. I don't know when he joined because uh, he plays like the uh, like the prosecuting attorney because it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a it's it's a family drama. It's not like it's quirky like they're in this town and all this like there's like tons of murders and weird stuff happen in the town, but it's really like a family drama. And so, but like, it's also weird because like, I don't know if they're all set up like this, but the show is kind of set up almost like law and order style where there's like something that happens. And then the second half is all like the courtroom part. It was strange. Yeah. Uh, But he plays the prosecuting attorney. Mm -hmm. And apparently when they first started the show, it was just like continuously a different prosecuting attorney every time. And then he joined the show and stuck with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. So anyway, and then also... The show features Kelly Connell, who he plays medical examiner Carter Pike in Picket Fences. Mm -hmm. But when I saw him, I was like, it's the bug dude. It's the bug dude. And the bug dude is in season two of Buffy. There's a two part episode called What's My Line? And all these like demon assassins are sent after her. And there's one that's like a dude who pretends to sell makeup. And then Cordelia like lets him in and he just turns into this like pile of bugs like he just disassembles into like a millions and millions of bugs and like i don't know it's super gross and so, <laughs> so oh, i'm like it's okay. the bug assassin guy which it's sad that that's what he's known for because apparently he had a very good role in the show and he's probably a really good actor but yeah no he's like a regular and also he is gay in picket fences and what's nice. cool about it is everyone is cool with him being gay no one mentions the fact that he is gay it's just like he's gay because part of the show talks about like like having children and like surrogate parents and part of the discussion is like when him and his husband they apparently got burned by a surrogate at one point and he's like well when, when me and my husband have a kid we're gonna make sure it's gonna be you know 
hint is going to be a human baby. So there's a little weirdness going on in Pick Offenses. Yeah, but, the whole episode yeah. is really strange, But yeah, no, he's but... gay. And at least in this episode, like everyone's just like, no one even mentions the fact that they're just talking about him and his husband. And it's just common conversation, which is kind of cool. So yeah, like it was cool, especially in the 90s. So that was yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's where I recognize that guy from. And um, yeah, the whole episode was super weird. But IMDb actually still refers to this episode as an X-Files crossover, which we know was like technically abandoned. But again, like it is following this. Well, I think uh, you could technically definitely call the picket fences an X-Files crossover. Yes. But then X-Files is not a picket fences crossover. Right. Because they don't even mention Rome, Wisconsin, which I think is the city that Mulder is meant to say when he mentions Eastern Wisconsin, which I think is why it's weird that he calls it Eastern Wisconsin. Because mm. I think he's supposed to say Rome, Wisconsin, and then they cut that out because they didn't want to refer to oh, okay. the fictional city and picket fences. Okay. But yeah, it's yeah, they don't even like mention anything about that. So X Files totally sanitized it out and picket fences were like, nope, we're sticking with it. We've already got this together. This is what we're doing. Yeah. So yeah, it was weird. It was it was weird. Yeah. It was kind of the episode itself was also kind of weird. Just the fact that it's a different kind of like the fact that they I don't know, like you, I don't know that I ever saw that show, but no. then the part with the, not to, again, we're not going to go into like, but the little kid who's like trying to figure out like what religion he wants to believe in. Yeah. That seems super familiar to me. I think that was just like a staple of 90s TV. And so though. I don't know the fact that they aired after X-Files, like, you know, basically, I don't, I think at one point they stopped and they actually directly competed with X-Files. Like they actually jumped to the nine o'clock slot, like in the last season. And then that was their last season because then by that time X-Files was super big, but I think maybe I, maybe I stuck around and watched it one time. I mean, I guess sticking around wouldn't be the right word, but on the Fox affiliate where I lived, it was X-Files and then it was KMPH 10 o'clock news. So if you didn't want to watch the news, you would like flip channels. So maybe I watched it at one point. Because that Maybe. little kid with the whole like trying to figure out what religion to believe in seems super familiar to me. But then I don't remember anything else about the show. The kid did so, look really familiar. And I think and he, he was a kid who was in a lot stuff. of stuff. Yeah. But like both the kid and then the like trying to figure out what religion to believe in seems super familiar. But I don't know. Maybe I just read about it. Who knows? Yeah. Yep. So that was weird. <laughs> yeah. So back to the X-Files episode to Red Museum. It had... A really cool, like, it was like a mashup of, like, pilot, like, small town cover-up kind of thing. And then, I know you don't like discussing it, but it also had that gender bender townsfolk versus the cult feel for a while. And I was pretty good with that. Yeah, well, I don't mind discussing gender bender. I just don't like that episode and wish it yeah, hadn't happened. But Yes, yeah. That's but fine. Then, then things kind of went weird. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like there were two episodes going on here. And they kind of, like, mushed them together. But yeah. Yes, but now it is time for an IWTRW expose. No, this is a Nick expose. <laughs> no, this is an IWTRW expose. You don't know what I'm going to say. I don't. The You're title maybe there. gives it away. <laughs> the title of this expose is The Erlenmeyer Flask and Why This Is All Scully's Fault. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, I went back and watched The Erlenmeyer Flask because I thought that she, why, why would Scully recognize Crew Cut Man? Because she never really saw him directly. Because mm-hmm. in my head, because she does, like, when you go to the scene, she gives Deep Throat the alien, and then she goes and gets in her car. But then the van drives by and, like, actually kind of stops and looks at her. And so she gets a good look at him and then goes to Deep Throat mm-hmm. and Deep Throat hand over the alien and boom, boom. And then, like, she sees it and then she gets out and runs to the van. 
Okay. So I had forgotten the part where they cross and look at each other. So I was like, how does she even know what the guy looks like? She's only seeing like in silhouette from like really far away in the dark, but she does get a look at him. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. So she runs to the van. She's got her gun out. She's like, no. And she's running. She got her gun out. Crew cut man gets in the van. Mm-hmm. Someone else in the back of the van opens the back, dumps out Mulder onto the road, and then closes the door. Yeah. Scully runs up to Mulder. The van is still there. The van has not left yet. Uh-huh. Scully has her gun out. She could have, boom, boom, busted a cap into both drivers right there. She's like, they could have opened the door and hit her in the head. She's that close. Mm-hmm. And then it drives away. So she could have put it into all this. She could have stopped it. I mean, that is, she could have, she probably should have done that, to be honest. Yeah. If, However, nothing else, she could, if nothing else, she could have, like, shot the tires. But, I mean, she's, yeah. like, right there. The one dude's in the back. The back of the van has windows. She could have, like, looked in, boom, boom, and right. been done. Yeah, maybe she doesn't want to execute people. But no, not worried about that. She also just watched people execute someone else, so. Yeah, no, my argument is that killing two people in a conspiracy is not going to stop the conspiracy. No, but it would have solved the problem here. Rick mm. would walk. Well, yeah, I was going to say Rick would still be alive, but then Rick's not the best person. Mm, so, but yeah. given what I know about Crew Cut Man, and um, I don't think it would have. You are just, oh man, you're just dropping, dropping, dropping the hot spoils. I don't, I don't think it would have just because I think that if he is who I think he is, like. He can't die? Well, I don't think he's one person. Oh. <gasps> He's a clone? I think maybe he's part of a clone alien assassin group. But possibly I'm wrong. It's been a long time since I've seen Mm. the X-Files. I kind of suspect that that's who he is, though. I kind Um, of would have... I would have liked that, especially if we did a little, like, I want to rewrite, where all the people in the tanks in Erlenmeyer Flask were mm -hmm. clones. I like that plot point better than their people being treated for diseases and just hanging out in giant aquarium tanks. Yeah. The fact that they would be be clones, right? Like, you'd be be growing human alien clones. Right. Would make more sense. Which maybe they are. It's just somewhere else. Maybe they are. Possibly, who knows what story Deep Throat told Mulder? It and who knows what the frick cigarette smoking man is doing? They've got all that stuff. They're not just keeping it in a warehouse. There's no way. Hmm. Like they're doing something. But anyway, I could be wrong. But if I suspect, like that's, I mean, she should have shot him because, yeah, yeah. Don't so see, I think you there. might be on board with this IWTRW expose. I think you agree. With I me mean, I agree. You should have shot him. I think you should have shot him. I don't think this is Scully's there we fault. Go. There we go. This is all Scully's fault. Because if she had shot them, this wouldn't have happened. I'm Possibly. team Scully, though. I love Possibly. Scully. I mean, you know. Possibly, assuming that, like, they wouldn't have just sent somebody else. Because yes. if they do have this conspiracy where they're, like, yes, you can't, You can't prove and... a counterfactual. So yeah. it's Well, and also, if you have a bunch of kids that you're paying someone, like, some low country doctor. I shouldn't call them low country. If you're paying some country doctor to inject groups of teens or children. Or someone posing as a country doctor. Right. If you, well, he's getting paid a lot of money to do these injections, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he's injecting children with his DNA. You're going to have enough staff in your little conspiracy that even if someone, like, dies on the job you're gonna have somebody else to send to clean up the mess i would although assume. given what we know about erlen meyer flask like why are they injecting kids to see what happens they know what happens yeah i don't know maybe because it's a different a different thing a different, a different like a maybe a they're trying to version. see 
Like yeah, it's not really it's not really purity control like we talked about. It's actually yeah. maybe a different version of it. Okay, yeah, maybe they made that. like a new a new version and they're trying to see if they can get it to work because maybe they didn't have enough of the original. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. This stuff I, is so I could, crazy. I could, I could go with that. Okay. But yeah, um yeah, you're not wrong though. IWTRW expose. Nick exclusive. Nick exclusive. You're, I just you're like, like the, blowing the like, lid off. Like IWTRW. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why. It makes me think of like Entertainment Tonight, like an Entertainment Tonight exclusive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I found out. I did not realize this. Entertainment Tonight is still around. It has never is gone it? away. It's got it's it's the longest running show ever beating out Soul Train. It has like over 12,000 episodes. Wow. I'm just thinking like John Tesh and Mary Hart, but no, it's been continuous. Like they're there, it's still going. Yeah, I mean, I know it was on around this time, but yeah, I didn't know it was still on. It started today. like in '81 or something. Oh wow! Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't have cable, so I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. Cable. I thought it stopped. I thought it went away, like in the like late '80s, early '90s. I didn't know it kept it kept on going. It's had like a gazillion different hosts and everything. Wow, it's, yeah, it's impressive. No idea. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so it's this episode, time. it is, it's rating time. Rating this time. one is, I mean, obviously not including picket fences, <laughs> it's just, just weird. Um, which, if we were gonna rate, you have to rate it for what it was, right? Like, again, yeah, it's a family drama, right? It's not, it's just had yeah. like weird, it's a family drama where weird stuff happens, which is yeah. fine. Um, I, again, I had never seen it before, so I don't know how atypical yeah. that episode was. There is one thing that I learned that makes a little bit more sense. So the the older girl in the series who has the mm-hmm. conflict with the mom, that is not her mom. That's his daughter from his first marriage. The, oh. other, the, other, the other two are her kids. So she's okay. like the stepmom. So oh. that's why the, also there may be that little thing going on there. So that made, I was like, that makes a little more sense now. Okay. So. Yeah, Nick had had this idea that maybe we could just do like the picket fences episode as like a bonus episode. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Mostly because I don't want to talk about it that much, but also because like we don't have any context for who these characters are or what's going on. And there's, like, I do because like, I did some research. But well, I you, did. yeah, I didn't. And so to me, they're just like strangers, and they're having all these like questions of religion and then ethics and like all this stuff. And I'm like, I just don't want to get into all that. Um, <laughs> well, I figured we would just blow past all that stuff and just talk about the x-file stuff it'd be like a shorty but yeah but anyway um might twist your arm later we'll see yeah you never know i can be persuaded all it takes is some cheese apparently like i'm pretty persuaded which doesn't appear anywhere in a wisconsin episode what are you doing chris carter i know come on buddy anyway it's not like i could have gotten it through the the cheese head state and you don't put cheese in there um, but I do think this episode is very solid. I think there are some questions. Like it's kind of, I mean, we figure out why the guy is pervy and has the pervy room. We figure out what's going on with the kids. Like it all works. It's just a lot happening. But I think it's solid. It's a good episode. I love the twist that the cult is not the bad guy. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Not that I support cults in any way, but I did think that was a nice little. Well, and spin. we don't know that it is. I mean pure definition of cult we don't know if it's really like a cult like he is a 
like a cult leader and is doing, he might just be like, I, this is what I believe. And other people believe me and we're not hurting anybody. We don't yeah. know that he's like the stereotypical, like cult leader. And is like having sex with all the women and whatever. But Yeah. We have no idea. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was good. So I'm going to actually give- seems like a decent dude and just believes what he believes and everyone else believes what they believe him. So. Yeah. I mean, he's willing to help them out. So he didn't yeah. have to. So that was good. Uh, so in the end, at least not the villain of this nope. piece. Um, so I think I'm going to give this one an eight because I thought an it was eight. pretty solid. Right. Yeah, it was eight good. Eight All right. Wow. This is okay. So this is a uh, Dwayne Barry and Ascension got eight. Yep. And uh, so these are your three highest episodes. Dwayne Barry, yeah. Ascension and the Red Museum. Yeah, I was actually because when I saw the title and I was like, oh, it's about a cult. Ugh. And then <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be into this one. And I was surprised. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed the whole thing. I thought it was good. I like how Scully is the one who kind of figures out that it's like something extraterrestrial and not Mulder. And Mulder's like, he's really excited about it, too. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, I think Scully- well, she's. Well, she's still like pulling the reins back a little bit. Like it's not aliens, maybe Mulder, but still. well, she well she says extraterrestrial, but she doesn't know if it's actually alien DNA that's being injected right. into the kids, which is a fair. She doesn't actually know. They have a very little amount which is of the, the vile distinction stuff to that go on. no one really does anymore. Of like UFOs does not equate aliens, right? UFOs are UFOs. They're unidentified right. flying objects. That doesn't mean aliens. But everyone says UFOs. You automatically are like aliens. The shorthand, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it was. It was good, and I liked it. And that was like Mulder's Christmas present. Yeah, well, and we had mentioned last episode where I was like, "So, are they going to stick with like this? Should maybe be like coming up towards Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever?" Because we got the dates right. Mm-hmm. We knew last episode happened like November thirteenth, and I was like, "So, are they going to follow through that?" They're in Wisconsin. I don't see snow anywhere. Yeah. Whereas, like I said, picket fences at least got that part right. They did snow and like the opening is like a truck slides off the road and flips over. So, um, yeah. But yeah. also, uh, spoiler for next episode, it's like fall. So, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> they, they did not quarantine for however many weeks they were supposed to quarantine no, for. No. Oh, that, and that was why, right? Because we were like, oh, it should be like <laughs> this episode shouldn't take place until at least December 13th because they're supposed to be quarantining for a month. And it was the events from, it was like November 11th, November 13th, I believe, right? Right, I think so. It's only been a week, I don't remember. But yeah, I think it was 11th through the 13th. And I was like, so this episode has to be end of December or maybe next year, right? We could jump to January. But Doesn't doesn't seem like that's the case. So I think maybe the, after a few days in quarantine, the doctor's like, well, you're good, no weirdness. You can go now. Uh, I got other things to do. I and or Chris Carter some, forgot. I got to go inject some kids with some alien DNA. You right. Go. You guys can go. We don't need to keep you here any longer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but yeah, timeline didn't work. Still solid episode. Well, next episode's failure to follow a timeline doesn't necessarily affect this one. This one is like, okay, well, maybe it was a really not snowy Wisconsin in December of 94. We don't know. Mm, but it's true. Yeah. But I don't think it was. Yeah. It was, I don't know what season it was. It definitely wasn't winter. It may have been, I don't think it was fall either. I think it was probably more like springish. Maybe not yeah. spring, but maybe, 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 maybe end of summer going into fall possibly. But yeah, yeah it was not definitely not winter time. Let's see. So I am going to go with a seven on this episode. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was going to be a hot mess because they had so much stuff going on 
And they have a tendency to throw everything at an episode and then not tie stuff together. Right. We've yes. talked about that in at least more than one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, they actually did. I do think it's another one's episodes that would probably have benefited to be again. This should have been the two face season where everything is a number two, right? Second season, every episode is a two parter, basically. I think this would have been maybe better as a two parter or if they just had more time. Despite the fact that it's creepy and people don't want to deal with it, I would kind of like to know what was going on more with Gerd. I'd kind of like to know. So, okay, that's fair. Yeah. Like what in the past, like what his, you know, the whole like, and he ran a daycare of the house and they just dropped that. And then we get like, you know, you know, I'm the one who cares about these kids. So obviously he's like, we're assuming like those are kids who went to his daycare and then was he molesting them? Was he just grown a tat you know probably molesting them we don't know but yeah it was just i'm curious i mean it's gross but i'm kind of curious so yeah sometimes i'm more interested in the stuff that's actually they, they just touch on and blow past than the actual content of the episode so. yeah i think m- mostly what he was doing was making those fun videos that no one yeah should so be burned whether and whether that was well i mean if it was if he was filming kids in the bathroom then that technically is child pornography so, yeah. yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's yeah, the whether there was actual stuff. sexual assault going on in there is another thing, but yeah, it was just yeah. he likes to watch, so yeah. he's a watcher. Anyway, yep. So I'm gonna go with seven. Cool. Yeah. Cool. There cool. was just some stuff that there was some stuff I would have liked. Like, I just think, yeah, I think there was some stuff that maybe could have got a little bit more expansion on. Yeah, that's fair. So I thought this episode did a pretty good job, given some of the episodes we've had this season yeah. where they have not done that. To be fair, you've given three episodes an eight. You gave this one an eight. You've given two other episodes an eight. I gave this one a seven. I've given two other episodes a seven. So. Nice. So these are your highest scores. These are my highest scores. So Nice. Well, yeah. good this job, episode, Yeah. This season, we are definitely diverging more than we did first season. Um, our scores are definitely like our, our average right now is much further apart than it was for season one. So I'm going to, it'll be interesting to see what, if that continues or if it closes or widens yeah. or what have you. Yeah, who knows? You're rating it higher. I'm rating it about the same, I think, as yeah. season one. So, yeah, I think maybe I felt it was a little too stingy last season, maybe. And so, oh, maybe I'm okay. Moving up from that. Yeah, this is only episode 10. So, we're like, yeah. what, a third, almost halfway through the season? Uh, there's 25 episodes in the season. Okay. So, so, yeah. So, we are two fifths through for 40%. Okay. Hmm. Math. <laughs> Math is not my strong suit. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else to add to the Red Museum? With a title like Red Museum, this was not what I was expecting. That no. seems to also be a trend. Yeah, well, no, I, I... Well, I think also, like, there's an episode of Black Mirror that kind of relates to a museum, and I think maybe that was, like... Yeah, I was definitely expecting something totally different, so this is not at all what I thought it would be, but I liked it, so it worked out. Yeah. All righty. All right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Yep. Uh, yep. I said yep. <laughs> yep. Yes, yep. it is. Yep, it is. <laughs> totally. Yep. 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 Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy and Productions, which Black Cat Studios is finishing up its mic test. And so hopefully going forward, we will have a more consistent sound on my end because I'm trying out some things and trying to figure out what's going on. Hopefully that will be ending. 
Anyway, our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the Aquarians. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch Season 2 of the X-Files, Episode 11, Excelsius Day. And try to figure out if the the truth truth is still out there. So before we get into anything else, I'm going to go use the restroom. Okay. Because I know we're going to have a lot to say about like yeah. defenses and stuff. Okay. So well, then I will right. let you do that and we will come right back. All right. After these messages. You ever doing a podcast and you really need to use the bathroom? Well, if you have, you should just be like, hey, I have to go to the bathroom and I'm going to take a break. And then you tell your partner and then they sit there and ramble, ramble, ramble while you go to the bathroom. And that's how you do it. So now you know. And known as half the battle. Also, you should know that today is Billy's birthday. If you've ever heard cats meowing in this podcast, well, that's what actually probably Locke. But remember all that growling? That was Billy. And today is Billy's birthday. He is 12. By the way, today is April 18th of 2021. And Locke's birthday was like four days ago. Locke had a birthday on April 14th. He was 11. Also, my oldest child... Franciscus Ronaldo Everline Sage, he also had a birthday on April 14th. He turned nine. He is also a cat. So we had two cat birthdays on April 14th. And then we have another cat birthday on April 18th. And then in like 10 days on April 28th, my other cat, Samuel Joseph Everline Sage, is going to be three. So it's just cat birthday time on I Want to Rewatch an X-Files podcast sponsored today by some delicious coffee as well as sparkling ice coconut limeade and sparkling ice coconut pineapple i really like the coconut and i really like the bubbles and it's sugar-free get you going no caffeine just nice refreshing beverage so that you're not all while you're talking on the podcast Mm, what else are we sponsored by today while tori's still gone hmm well 
I am currently using my old mic, which I don't even think has a brand name. It's like $25, but it works pretty good. I bought a blue mic, and I'm not really sure I'm happy with it, so I'm switching, and today is the final experiment in that mic testing. And so after today, we will hopefully have a standard Nick voice for the podcast that will hopefully not change, because since moving and changing bedroom closets for Black Cat Studios, Lazy and Productions. I have had some issues with getting the sound quality to match exactly. So I bought a new mic and I'm not sure I'm happy with it, but that's how it goes. So, are you, are you oh, and it sounds like Tori has returned. So <laughs> we are so. done with our advertisements <laughs> and we're going to get back to the show. Hello. Hi. I've been drinking a lot of soda water this episode. So you know how that goes. Are you drinking a brand of soda water? Because we've been doing some advertisements while you were gone. Uh, so. so I would like to plug Highball, which keeps me alive. But this oh, is actually okay. San Pellegrino that I get at Costco. Okay. Is it just the sparkling water or is San Pellegrino a mineral water? Uh, it's a sparkling natural mineral water, according okay. to the bottle. And I, I put lime or lemon juice in it. It's very good. Oh, right. That sounds excellent. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing. I think it's important to be refreshed when you're doing a podcast. I'm old and I don't drink alcohol anymore. This is what I got, guys. That's what I got. Okay. Boring. Anyway, you were saying before I so rudely ran off 